Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of The Jaded 1%. Once again, I'm Dave and he is... I'm Joe. And we are glad that you have chosen to join us on this episode. So Joe and I have already been talking so far tonight and we've kind of landed at this place of what is ministry, what is evangelism, Maybe even a little bit of what is Christianity all about? Like, what is it that we're supposed to do? What is it that uh, God expects of us? And not totally sure where this conversation will take us. We've already had a good one before we hit the record button. But I do think that maybe things are a little bit different than what God, what we think God expects of us. And we put maybe too much pressure um, on ourselves. And so we're going to kind of explore that idea of what is it that as a good Christian, we're supposed to be doing. And Joe and I have concluded that we don't like doing the things that thus far are supposed to be required of us, or <laughs> maybe not required that we think that others have, well, that I don't know what I don't like evangelism. That's that I I'll say that much. I think that we have probably misdefined or incorrectly defined what evangelism really is. Mm -hmm. And I think it has created a falsehood, at least in my mind, as to what it is. And I am um, automatically resistant to what that is. I don't want to do it. Um, I'm not interested in passing out tracks door to door. I'm not interested in standing on a soapbox. And I am not interested in standing on a sidewalk street corner holding up anti-abortion or any other kind of signage that screams I'm a Christian look at me this mm-hmm. is this is you know quote unquote what you should believe I am I'm probably I I am very turned off by that even as a, you know a Christian someone who calls himself a Christ follower mm-hmm. that, that is the last thing I want and whenever I see it, I am, what's a really strong word for this? That's not a, a foul word. It's, it pushes me away. Mm-hmm. I don't want to associate with those people at all, ever. Yeah. That is not who I think um, I am, and I don't think it represents who Jesus is. Yeah. I, it, so as you say that, one of the things that comes to my mind is there's this sort of this concept that well, Jesus in the New Testament certainly talks about being persecuted. And I think sometimes that Christians have this idea of if we're not being persecuted, well, then we're not being good Christians. So let's find a way that we can go out in the public and, you know, make some proclamation about something that causes people to persecute us, to to put us down for our beliefs. And so therefore we, we feel like we're better because we've done these things. The only thing I would argue against that is that I don't think, at least in this country, we really know what persecution is. Oh, I I agree with that. Absolutely. My dad recently sent me something about um, um, Christians in Iran. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this coming, you know, tomorrow is going to be Easter. And what are they experiencing as really um, persecuted Christians. And the email just talked about with it, our hope, our prayer for them is that they would be able to experience um, Easter um, 
the the empty grave to its fullest in their homes, in their secret hiding places, so that they could, no matter who they are in that country, that they would be able to experience that to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, in this country, we have no clue what that is whatsoever. We are so far removed from that that any kind of comparison is really insulting to them. Oh, or, or or people in China or Indonesia. Yeah, I don't know when you when you when you introed and talked about you know what is ministry, what is evangelism. I, you know, I think it looks different for us in the United States than it does for those in in truly persecuted countries. Mm-hmm. And we don't give it. We have either don't give it the credit that it should, or we have completely skewed it that we don't understand what that really is. Yeah, and so for someone who's lived his whole life in, in the United States, I honestly probably probably have a skewed view of what that is. And when someone says evangelism, my immediate reaction is a distance. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to partici- participate in that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So for me, when I hear the word evangelism, there's an element of I'm supposed to talk to Jesus about people that I don't know. And I'm supposed to tell them that they need Jesus so that their sins are forgiven and that they can go to heaven. Right. That's when I think of evangelism, that's what I think of. And I don't think that's accurate per se. Mm, Maybe not. Um, It doesn't mean that I'm not willing. I mean, I I can genuinely tell you that I, I, um, Encountered a uh, college-age young lady the other day, and we were having a conversation where, oh, she was probably being somewhat um, challenged by my interaction with her. And I just looked at her and said, what's your faith background? And she said, well, you know, I grew up Catholic. And I said, you know, I'm somebody that sort of, well, not sort of, I said, I'm somebody that believes that God is active in our lives and intervenes now and then and kind of shared with her. I said, I feel like God has a reason that you and I are interacting to, to, to today. And if I can be quite candid, I think the message is, is he's telling you to get together. You said that to her. I did say that to her. I love it. <laughs> and she started crying and she said, that's exactly where I'm at and said, yes, I do need to get my together. You know what the funny thing is? I think that's, Real hardcore raw ministry. That's real hardcore raw evangelism. It's just speaking out when we're we're given those nudges. Yeah. And, and I wonder how often have I have ignored nudges. Oh, I, and, know, and I ignore them, them daily. <laughs> no, it's true though, and that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. Is that we have these nudges, and we probably have them daily, where we could and should and have the opportunity opportunity to say something, and we just don't. Yeah. And it could be fear. It could be. I mean, I mean, it could be any number of things that just keeps us from opening our mouths. But you opening, <clears throat> but you taking advantage of the opportunity—that's what I think God's talking about. Is there? You're going to be given moments that I provide to you. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with them? Yeah, that's ministry. It's not Billy Graham. Those people are rare. Oh, sure, yeah. There's nowhere in Scripture where we're told to get on your soapbox, take the Bible. And beat the crap out of people with it. That's not what he says. Mm-hmm. 
Well, some people might argue what I said to this young lady was exactly that. I, I think you were speaking truth, though. And, and Rowan's I, I, talks about speaking the truth, and it will set you free. Her immediate reaction, I was, hope so, yes. was was tears, yeah, which I, means that spoke into I her. I think it did. Yeah, yeah. I, the I Holy do. Spirit was present. I think it. I yeah. I do. I do think he was. And um, but yeah. So, I mean, I've even already contradicted myself in terms of. Okay, so this is what I think of when I hear the term evangelism. Am I ready to call our interaction with that young lady evangelism? Maybe not. But what is evangelism? But, do I think, but I think God was present in that conversation. I would agree with that. But what is evangelism? Is it spreading the word of God? Sure. Yeah. Then is that what you were doing? Um, I hope so. You know, I think the problem is that we've, been, we've had this real problem is that it has to look pretty. Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be polished. It has to it has to be manicured. It has to be you know this ornate. Um, it has to be ornamental. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, if you look at what Jesus's life was, Palm Sunday, what did he come riding in on? He didn't come in riding on chariots. He didn't come in riding on horses and, and stallions and these magnificent animals. He came riding in on a donkey. He came in humble. Yeah. You know, what, I mean, they made movies with, you know, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, what is, you know, the cup of Christ? It was the one that didn't look ornate. Yeah. It it was a plain clay, you know, cup. Yeah, it was the the chalice of a carpenter. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what, we have lost that and think that it has to be this polished, shiny thing. And I think God is just kind of laughing to himself. You guys missed the boat. It's not that. It's you just taking advantage of those moments. I don't need pretty. I just need a minute. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, you know, that's the other thing for me too, is, is that, boy, I want to... I want to tell people exactly what I think. I want to tell people. Um, I, I I want to make it about me instead of making it about God. I think that's natural. I mean, we have this. I mean, it's 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 Easter Sunday or it's Easter weekend rather. Um, our own worst critics are us. Mm-hmm. I can look in the mirror and I can look into my own eyes, and all I see is this laundry list of horrible behaviors and these these things that I've done wrong. Um, but at the same time, you know, this weekend, Jesus says, I have wiped that clean. That is not your identity. Mm -hmm. And part of our selfishness is we look in the mirror and we see our own laundry list and Jesus is saying, so it's about you again, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and and it really is. And it just struck me at just this moment that that's what that is. Mm -hmm. Those moments of self-loathing, those are selfish. That's selfishness. And Jesus said, I have... I paid a price for that so that you don't have to self-loathe, so you don't have to look in the mirror and see your laundry list. I took the list. It's not yours anymore. It's mine. Why are you... And in a sense, maybe we're becoming thieves trying to steal that back from him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I hear that story that you just told about talking to that girl, and I can't help but think, that is evangelism. That is ministry. What does it look like? It's simple. 
That's what it's supposed to look like. It's not complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as, as you're saying that there's, um, I'm just realizing there's, there's more, the frequency with which God allows those moments are much greater than I realize. And wonder how often I miss that. Yeah. He was present there and need to probably be more thankful for just saying, or, or more intentional about being saying, thank, thank you, God, for those, those moments, those, those opportunities to, to be your instrument, to be your servant, to do the things that point people towards you. I don't think God wants us to focus on the lost moments. He wants you to, he wants all of us to say, thank you for that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could always go, what if? We could always, you know, look back and go, oh, if I had only, you know, fill in the blank. I've got a, I've got a horribly long list of those things. Mm-hmm. And right now in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, I am struggling. But I don't, I'm pretty certain that God doesn't want me to focus in on those moments. He wants me to focus in on Him. A friend of mine years ago told me it's a laser-like focus solely on God all the time. Yeah. That's what carries you from moment to moment to moment in the good times and in the struggles. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one of the verses that's been coming to my mind as we've been sitting here is Matthew 28. Um, I guess it's the end of Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. It's often referred to as the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as, as you and I talked uh, prior to the official podcast of just, I think we get a little bit skewed in terms of evangelism versus discipleship making. Mm-hmm. And he, he has called us to make disciples. He's not called us to make converts. And I think at least my experience, my Christian, my Christian experience has been this idea of making converts versus making disciples. And I think even in that, you've made me realize that evangelism is probably much broader than what I think it is in terms of, I think I have made, like I said, evangelism, this idea of trying to convert people or convince people to think a certain way. And I think it's, I'm going to own a a simpler definition and I'm not trying to convince anybody else of this, but a simpler definition of evangelism for me is, am I, am I, gosh, even that just, because I don't think I can do it without his help, is my desire to point people towards him. Right. It doesn't have to be the whole, hey, there's four spiritual laws. Can I share with you the four spiritual laws and convert you to Jesus? It's this moment of, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to say, I think there's something here that might point you in the direction of God. And the reality is that some people, it may not go well. People may go, I don't want anything to do with what you're talking about. Well, I think at the same time, you know, it's not necessarily us, it's God. Right. We just, we just plant a seed and just say, hey. Amen. And if, yep. it, if it goes wrong, you know what? We're just called to be obedient. Mm-hmm. The person who responds, that's on them. Absolutely. 
Outcomes are up to God, not us, yes. And, you know, we, we've taken too much responsibility for what the outcome is. And you know what? I can't own everything. I can only own my own actions. I can't own their response. Yeah. I can't, I can't own what God is going to do with that person. I can't own how the next hour, let alone one, two, three days or weeks, you know, turn out. I can only, I only own the moment. That's it. I'm either going to act on what I feel the Holy Spirit is compelling me to do, mm-hmm. or I'm not. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what else to do. I, I can't do anything more than that because I control nothing. That's the reality. I control nothing. I can think that I do. And there are moments when, when sure, do I, do I control them? <laughs> sure, to a point. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I don't. Right. I don't. I mean, the Bible's very clear. No man... I don't own anything. Yeah. Yep. Nothing is mine. I mean, time is not mine. I mean, I could have a gun in my hands and pull the trigger. Guess what? It's still not mine because yeah. I could still miss. Yeah. No, how, no matter how good of a shooter I am, I don't own the moment. Yep. So I'm having this reflective moment of, about my story with this young lady and, and realizing that this is the jaded 1%. If we talk about police stuff, we talk about military stuff. My interaction with that young lady was on a traffic stop. That's okay. No, I know it is. I know it's okay. But I just, like, I kind of glossed over that initially, but then I thought, well, no, that's who our audience is. So my my interaction with her was on a traffic stop. The other thing is, is she started to run from me. (laughs) Really? Yeah, she started to run from me. And and, 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 and maybe even running isn't the fair. She was out of her car by the time I caught up to her because she'd pulled into a parking lot. And so she was out of her car and I pulled up with my window down. And I said, I need your driver's license. You know, like just the normal, like, Hey, this is a traffic stop. I need your driver's license. She said, okay. And after she said, okay, she turned and started walking away from me at a very brisk pace. And I just said, you need to stop. Don't do this. And in that moment I said, and, and, and it's true because it wasn't my intent for stops that day, but I just said to her, I said, I'm not giving you a ticket. You're not getting a ticket today. And she stopped and she turned and she engaged with me. And I said, but I do need your name and date of birth. So she, so she was even reluctant to give me that. And she goes, I have to be honest with you. There's a warrant for my arrest. And I said, I don't care. It's not why we're interacting today. I said, this is just, I said, today's about community policing. And it was as cheesy as it sounded. That was the words that I used. But I said, this is about, this is about community policing. This isn't about you going to jail. This isn't about Can I interrupt you from Sure. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was in this the oh, whole no, time. Oh, no. That's, that's I mean, what I'm seriously, saying. from start to finish, this, the Holy Spirit was totally engaged in this. Yeah. So I, I just, as we're sitting here talking, I'm, I'm just realizing that that is probably very true. And so we did talk, and she didn't get arrested. She didn't get a ticket. And I sent her on her way. And I did share with my. So I, you know, I'm a shift supervisor and I had, I don't know, eight to 10 people in the room the next day. And I shared with them that stop. I did share with them that I made a very conscious decision from like the beginning, like, okay. It seemed like a conscious decision when I'm telling the story and in the moment, but like in hindsight, I think it was the Holy Spirit. Like, I don't think it was me. Can I interrupt again? Sure. (laughs) You're sharing again. Uh Holy Spirit. 
Oh yeah. Oh no. Why, why else would you share it? But I but I did share I did share with the I shared with my troops. I just said, hey guys, I made a traffic stop. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't act like a cop today. I didn't know I didn't tell them what we're talking about here, but I said I didn't act like a cop today. Or yesterday. I said I didn't act like a cop. And this is what I did. I said I let her I let her off. I didn't It's humanity. It's being a human being. Anyway. I think that's the one thing that it's it's easy to forget when you when you have lived in a uniform. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. When you when you have lived in a uniform, the one thing that we forget that we oh man, we just we forget this so quickly that before we wore a uniform, we were just human beings. Sure. And sometimes that goes so far. It just <laughs> it just does. It's, there's authority with the uniform. But there's something about having the uniform and living in the humanity of the moment that the public in in whatever facet just appreciates you being just human for a brief moment. Mm-hmm. I'll I, I'll just say well done because it's just oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no it you know it's you know it's not a trophy it's oh, no, it's, I know. it's not a pedestal it's just a good job for just responding to the moment. You know it's not about saying oh is Dave awesome? I mean I do I think you're awesome because you're my friend. Thank you. But. It's it's not about that in the moment. It's about listen, just listening. Mm-hmm. It's listening and obedience. It's that's what it, maybe that's what ministry evangelism is. Is listening and obedience. I have told you, go make fishers of men. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Disciples, go make fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's it. Maybe that. Maybe that's all this is. Is is being obedient to the moment. It has nothing to do with. The soapbox, or having the right words, or memorizing enough scripture. Maybe it's just speaking to the person. I mean, you did that with that young lady. I will say that I do believe we make it far more complicated than it needs to be. Oh, totally. And it, it, it there are probably much more just in the moment interactions. Those divine, I, I, I've referred to them in my life as divine appointments. You know, it's, it's God wants. You to be there, wants me to be there, wants whoever, you know, he wants us to be there. So they're divine appointments of a place where he does break in. I can't help but think that one day when you get to heaven, God's going to say, good job on uh, whatever day that was. <laughs> yeah. It, so anyway, it just, I, it, yeah, I didn't, didn't even really expect to talk about this. It just is, it's what came to my mind and. No, I'm proud. I, is, I'm, I'm proud of you for thank it. Thank you. And as we're talking about it, I, you know, I'm humbled by the fact that I do feel like it. Um, yeah. So, would like more of those. <laughs> it's a small day, but honestly, it's a big win. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that I would agree with. We should probably end right there because that's really like a <laughs> climax. <laughs> well, we could definitely do that. That's that's not a problem. Something I think I want to hit on really quick is, you know, you had mentioned that Jesus said to make disciples and not converts. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're backtracking slightly, but... Um, oh, no. You know, earlier in our conversation tonight, before we started recording, we talked about, you know, immigration as, as you know, our immediate border is Mexico and, and Mexicans um, coming across the border. And I had mentioned to you that 
you know, it's it's the story of the Good Samaritan and us. Um, yeah. And I'm not, and, and don't get me wrong, for anybody that decides to listen to this, I am not trying to make a political statement. I have no desire for that. In fact, if if you think that I do, I would hope that you would email us and say something because <laughs> I, that is the the last thing that I want to do. But because this is such a polarized um, political thing these days, I feel like we kind of have to address it because it it is an immediate topic. And quite honestly, if I have to admit, you know, half of my heritage, you know, my lineage comes from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, being half um, Latino, um, I don't, you know, when someone's, when I'm feeling, if I ever fill out an application, I always say that I'm white because um, I've always lived here. I've never necessarily claimed my heritage super deeply, but you know, from a faith standpoint, as I see this, this polarization of, you know, building a wall, um, something that, you know, we chatted beforehand was, how is this remotely authentic Christianity? Mm -hmm. How does, how does building a wall conflict with the good, the story of the Good Samaritan? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about a physical, oh, we have somebody who was beat up physically, but maybe socioeconomically beat up. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're here is because of that socioeconomic you know, beating. How does that affect us with our ministry, with our evangelism, with, with what we hold true Christianity, um, true, true discipleship? You know, claiming to be a a Christ follower. How do how do those coincide? How do those you know have conflict? Because the reality is, they do have conflict. There is, you know, they do they do come together. Some at some point, at some time or another, there is this collision. What are we doing about it? Mm-hmm. And because it's it's polarized, you know, politically, you know, there are there are definitely two sides to this story. And I would hope that we could take off the the political, you know, wardrobe that we wear most of the time and look at this strictly from a biblical standpoint for a moment and say, I mean, I guess I'll just say it. My opinion is instead of our, our, our mission field is coming to us, we don't even have to work for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in churches that had missionaries that would go to other countries thousands of miles away and they would live there and you know they'd have donations and all this stuff and they'd come back and they'd give reports and talk about what they're doing there. We don't have to do that like we once used to. Mm-hmm. We have people coming to us directly. And it and it begs the question, okay, if that's the case that we have people coming to us, does that redefine ministry and evangelism? Does that redefine how we look at people in general in spite of the laws that we ha- have in place or the immigration rules that we have in place? You know, put all that aside. Does that change ministry? Does that change evangelism? Does that change th- what we claim as faith? Mm-hmm. And this is a hard question, especially when we have been sucked into uh, the fold of, of, of politics on every front, because everything anymore is political. It doesn't matter what it is. Take a pot topic, and somewhere, some way, someone has made it a political st- 
statement or platform. Mm-hmm. And I want, us to, I want us to divorce ourselves from that and say, how does Jesus see this moment? Well, so one of, the, one of the first things that I would say is that, you know, in 21st century America, if you say Good Samaritan, there's a certain image that people have. I would agree. Probably taken out of context. Well, it's, it's an idea of somebody that does well, that does good, right? It's kind of what the idea is. But you could replace, I think, depending on who you are and where you're at, if you take the Good Samaritan, you could say the Good Mexican Immigrant. Yeah. Because Samaritan to a Jew was somebody that you did not associate with. And good and Samaritan did not go together. And so if you're somebody that like, you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with uh, Mexican immigrants. I'm good with Hispanic immigrants into this country. Then it would be like saying something to the effect of the good terrorist. You know, ooh, ooh. we don't put those words together. We don't say the good terrorist. And so um, it's kind of interesting because a lawyer comes to Jesus and says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I'm looking at Luke 10, which um, this is like the fourth time for me tonight that Luke 10 has come into play. So God is speaking. I think all of you should go and read Luke to Luke 10 from beginning to end and see what God has for you in that. But um, so Luke 10, a lawyer comes to Jesus and says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he says to him, what is written in the law and how do you read it? The lawyer responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And that's when Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And the lawyer sort of responds, and the lawyer has an alternative agenda here. He's trying to catch. Well, of course, he's a lawyer. (laughs) He's trying to catch Jesus here. He's trying to, you know, sort of entangle him in his argument. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? And that's when Jesus talks about, you know, the man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was beaten by robbers. He's fallen by the side of the road. Um, You know, a Levite goes by. A Samaritan goes by. Um, I'm not even sure exactly. And a priest uh, goes by. And talks about how each of them responds and ultimately it's the Samaritan that takes this person gives them to an innkeeper says take care of him here's you know here's a little bit of money and when I come back I'll take care of his entire debt but the Samaritan is the one that ultimately uh, makes the effort with this person that's beaten and Jesus looks at the lawyer and says uh, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer responds, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says to him, go and do likewise. And one, Jesus is the smartest, wisest person that's ever lived on this earth. True story. And we don't always put him in that category. No, we don't. So he, he bested this, this lawyer in, in essentially kind of putting him on the spot and putting him in a position of saying the good terrorist is the one who responded to this person and met their needs uh, because Samaritan 
to a, a Jewish person in Jesus' day was not a good person. Well, I would say they're probably, probably an enemy. Yeah. And even Jesus meets the woman in the, at the well. She's a Samaritan, and, and she kind of has the same sort of like attitude of like, why are you even talking to me? Well, I think it goes back to what Jesus told us, you know, to love our enemies mm-hmm. and pray. And this is the hard part, the follow-up pray is for pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> and this is why I think, you know, when we, this is probably why, in part, why we struggle with what ministry and evangelism are is because we don't have, we don't like the answers is what it boils down to about mm-hmm. who that is. You know, earlier, we, you know, when we talked about before we started recording, I mentioned uh, Marcus Luttrell. You know, he's a Navy SEAL that um, uh, he wrote the book Lone Survivor, and out of his um, small four-man team when they were doing a mission in Afghanistan, he was the last one left. And what did he do? He ha- he was desperate, shot, you know, broken back, and he's looking for help. And he went to this Afghani village and was taken in by um, this man as a guest. And he said yes. And this this man risked his life and his village taking in Marcus Luttrell as as a as a um, as a guest, mm-hmm. because now the whole village is obligated to protect him. Mm-hmm. And so for someone that is a Muslim who would take in this Westerner. An American soldier. This, yeah, this American, you know, warrior who, an elite warrior. Yeah. Um, that's a big risk. Yeah. You know, and I, I put these on parallels because I, th- I think this is the equivalence of what Jesus was, was talking about. You're talking about someone who who would who would think as a complete enemy, mm-hmm. you know. And this is why I th- this is probably why Jesus laughs at us and say, "You guys have this so backwards." I I I gave you this this curveball, this gray, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. To to totally, it's not what you think it is. Ministry mm-hmm. is not what you think it is. Evangelism is not what you think it is. Loving your neighbors is not what you think it is. It turns it on its head. And I think part of it is because we have to, in order to understand that, we have to be in complete pursuit of Him in order to even come close to understanding what that means. Because there is no reason, no fathomable reason, why a Muslim in Afghanistan would ever take a white American from an elite military unit into his home and protect him. That doesn't make sense at all, mm-hmm. ever. And yet he did it. Yeah. There's no person on the planet who can explain that. Yeah. But I, I'd venture to say if Jesus were here, he, he could say, I can. Yeah. Well, and that's, as you were saying that, that's what, what occurred to me is, is the gospel and, and the record of what Jesus did was, was time and time again turning things upside down, turning things on their head and just being like, this is not how we do things. Yeah. And, and Jesus being like, well, that's what the kingdom of heaven is about. It's, you know, it's not having your act together. It's not obeying all the, you know. You know, it's funny. It's my dad said this. Oh, man, this was probably years ago. I was visiting. I was just over at my parents' place. And... He said, you know what's going to happen? I, we were talking about this song, and I can't remember what song we were talking about now, but he said, we're going to be pretty surprised when we get to heaven. We're going to find people there that are like, oh my gosh, you're here. And then there's going to be people like, 
oh my gosh, they're not yeah, here. I think that's absolutely yes. Yep. You know, and and I'm not saying that you know the man who hosted Marcus Luttrell is going to be in heaven. I I don't know that. That's yeah. between that man and God only. Yep. But I know that there are things that. I really think that God honors things mm-hmm. in a way that we just don't understand. And it, it really comes down to relationship with him. Yeah. It has nothing more to that. And I, I, and I think religion has absolutely nothing to do with that. Oh, yeah. Religion yeah. is what man has called it. Re- religion is what we have titled things. And in the name of religion, we've got jihad, we've got the crusades, we've got the Hundred Years' War. We, we've got this horrible track record of what religion has done to humanity. And I think God's going to say, that's not how I honor salvation. Mm -hmm. That is not how it's done. Yeah. I'm going to expand a little bit on what you said of being in in relationship with him and uh, in honoring him. And one of the things that comes to my mind is the story of David and Goliath. And we've made David and Goliath the story of the little guy against the big guy and the underdog winning. And I'm going to suggest that the story of David and Goliath is about David being in that relationship with God, honoring God and being so disgusted by the fact that the Philistine is just bagging on God, is mocking God. And David's looking around going, is nobody going to do anything about this? And him being obedient to, the, to just his heart in terms of, I am going to defend my God as best I can. I love God. God's honor is on the line, and I am going to risk everything to defend God's honor. And here's the part that may be a little bit controversial or, or may go against that. If David had lost to Goliath, it would be the same message. David was so in love with who his God was, was so determined to defend God's honor that he put himself on the line and was willing to risk that even if it... I'm guessing David probably didn't think I'm going to beat this guy. Well, you have to think about it. He put himself <clears throat> in front of a king. Mm-hmm. His yes, king, his yes. king, Saul. <laughs> he yeah. put himself before the king, and then put himself not just on the front lines, but in front of the front lines, mm-hmm. and yeah. called out their biggest warrior. Yeah, and not because he thought he was something special. Not because I think he thought he was going to win. Because he was like, I am going to defend my God. I am going to defend the creator of the universe. I think he was genuinely offended on oh. God's behalf. Oh. That's what it boiled down to. Yeah. You are so... Well, I think he was even a little bit offended at everybody else, kind of going, you're not going to do anything about this? You're going to let him go out there and mock us? Mock our God? Mock the God? Yeah. So, 
So as you were talking about, that's what came to my mind. No, but I I think this is in part why there is such a skewed view of what ministry and evangelism is that we have (laughs) that that humans have taken this this position of what we think we know is correct. I even think there's a little bit of what we as Americans in the 21st century think is correct. Oh, I'll I'll totally agree with that. But you know, there's definitely a culture and language barrier Mm -hmm. that we have just negated from from the equation. But this is why there's such a skewed view of what ministry and evangelism really is, that we don't even read the Bible correctly. I mean, we have so many translations of what the Bible is. And in spite of, of, of God's Word being upheld for 2,000 plus years, we still, we still don't read it correctly. God's going, <laughs> how many translations does it have to be before you idiots just get a clue? I think that's part of why there's this misconception of what these two things are. That's why I have this skewed, you know, idea of what evangelism is. Because as soon as I hear the word, I'm just like, I cringe. Sure. I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Ministry. I'm like, Ugh, you know, maybe what is it? I mean, how much work do I have to do? That's what comes to mind. It's no wonder that we we mess that up. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, in the conversation that we've had for the past, you know, forty two plus minutes. You know, we've opened up a lot of doors that you know think you know that have that have given gateway to the reality is that God wants us to be the best Dave, the best Joe, the best whoever you are in the moment. He's not asking you to be a superhero. Mm-mm. He's going to intercede. Yep. He just says, "I'm going to give you the opportunity. What are you going to do with it?" It's pretty much that simple all the time. Mm-hmm. We just decide to do something with it, or we don't. Yep. And by the way, I've given you scripture to tell you how to do it. And I didn't even ask you to do it perfectly. That's why I sent Jesus to do it, because I knew you weren't going to be able to do it. It's a testimony of your own life, and that's it. I just need you to tell your story. It will, talk, it will speak to somebody. I can handle the rest. Mm-hmm. I don't have a mic drop, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> I think we've come to the end of our podcast tonight. I, I would like to say this. This seems like a very heavy topic, and I don't want people to get discouraged. I, I, would, I would say, if you feel any conviction at all, press into it with prayer. Because, quite honestly, you know, if for anybody listening, Dave and I did not come to this lightly. No. no. This, this, this has taken, you know, the, you know, the whole complete time of our friendship to get to this conversation. But the reality is, this is not an easy conversation. It can seem jovial when you listen, but the reality is it, it is serious, and it is a big deal. But it's not impossible. You know, the Bible says very clearly, I can do all things who, through Christ who strengthens me. You know, this is, he has given us a tremendous amount of, of, of power that we were, are able to tap in because of Jesus. And it's because of this weekend, you know, this Easter weekend with the stone rolled away. You know the the um the whole the whole thing is turned upside down. Mm-hmm. I challenge you. I I I beseech you to pray to pray into this. We have moments. Pray into it. Pursue it on a level that you've never pursued, and just ask. I just need a clarity. Yeah, you know, he. I think he's going to honor that. If you're if you're really serious about it, just make it a simple prayer. You know, it can be a child's prayer. He's not. 
he doesn't need you to be the great orator. He just needs you to be sincere in the moment. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot more simpler. I think it's simpler than what we make it to be. It's a lot messier than what we make it to be. Yeah. And we need to just kind of surrender that to him and allow him to kind of go, um, you know, the simplicity is okay. I'll do the heavy work there. And in the messiness, he says, that's fine. I'll clean it up. I'll make it what it's supposed to be. It doesn't need to be perfect. And I, I know very much that that's what I want to do. I want to spruce things up and fix it up and clean it up. So uh, we really appreciate you listening tonight and hanging on this long. So if you've reached the end of the podcast, thank you. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us and give us some feedback on uh, tonight's uh, podcast, you can reach us at thejaded1percent.com. There's a place where you can give us your name and, and, and what you'd like to say. So thejaded1percent.com, where one is the number one, everything else is spelled out. And we also have thejaded1% at gmail.com. Where again, one is the is number one. Everything else is spelled out. So, uh, thanks again for your time tonight. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next time. See you guys. Bye.